Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. Uh, this is a day the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. I uh, thank you for taking time to join in and study the Word of God. Here we study the Bible and uh, we aim to study from the book of Genesis to Revelation. By the grace of God, we believe that we shall study. And he will reveal his word to us because, like we say, there is no limitation to the revelation of the word of God. If you want God to speak to you, he will indeed come out and he will speak to you. Now, we are handling the book of Matthew, and uh, it's an interesting book. And uh, we started on chapter 4. We hope to finish chapter 4 today of this book. Uh, The last time... We saw Jesus calling his disciples. And uh, there are four of them that are mentioned at this time, whom he called, these specifically were fishermen. Yeah? You had Peter, you had Andrew, his brother. Then you also had James and John, his brother. These are sons of Zebedee. They left their father, they left their boat, they left their business. We looked at the fact that it was a lucrative business. It was a something that was bringing in money fishermen were not broke men yeah they they were having a good life and um they make a decision to say let us leave and follow this man who has called us radical discipleship is what we saw there because people followed yeah they did not know him they had never seen him they had never spoken to him but when he called They answered. And we looked at the fact that when God calls, you answer. And there are some things that you have to leave behind. There are some uh, things you need to count loss. Yeah? And say, I leave that behind. Some things may be valuable. Like we saw John and James leaving their own father. Some things might be valuable that you have to leave behind when it means you to follow Christ. And that is a call that is upon our lives. We all leave something behind. Even that which you thought was very important, you leave it behind for the sake of Christ. Their friends will leave behind for the sake of Christ. Some of us, their families, you leave behind for the sake of Christ. And uh, that's what we saw with these disciples. Of course, they are 12, but we are given four that are mentioned here in the manner of which they left. Of course, because they are fishermen, probably because they wanted to paint for us the picture of such a good business that people had to leave in Galilee uh, of fishermen because they were doing well. They were much higher than the agriculturalists. They were much higher in income, and it meant something. And these are brought out and spoken of also because they might be key as uh, disciples who were in the ministry of Jesus. And uh, continuing with verse 23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee. Yeah, that is, remember, this is where he grew up from. When he comes back from Egypt, where they had gone with the parents uh, in fear of Herod killing the the child, uh, they return to Galilee and live in a small town of Nazareth. And this is where Jesus starts to preach throughout all that region in which he grew from. 
and he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. We are told in this time, Jesus is a preacher. He's getting out into the synagogues and he is preaching to the people. A synagogue was a place of assembly. Yeah, uh, It was a place uh, or an institution in which the Jews would use uh, to read the Old Testament, as we may call it. Of course, for them then, it wasn't the Old Testament. It wasn't regarded as Old Testament. It was scripture to them because that's what they had written down for them. And uh, it, a synagogue is a place they would go and read these scriptures and get into exposition, try to debate, discuss. Remember, they had rabbis. They had um, those scribes. They had people who would go sit and try to read the Bible or the Old Testament in that, set, in that sense for them. And they try to understand. Yeah, they get into the detail. That's what they used to do in the synagogues. And uh, it's believed synagogues originated from the Babylonian exile. Remember, we talked about that. While they return from Babylon and uh, they are trying to reestablish through Ezra and Nehemiah, specifically through Ezra, they started uh, these synagogues uh, coming out and being built for people to try and return to their God after years away in the uh, exile in Babylon. So it means both uh, people or communities or even organized uh, groups would use this place uh, first for religious purposes and uh, they would gather there and read and understand other things that were used there. Of course, worship, yeah, they would go there to worship, to pray, and uh, they learned the law there. We've looked at that, yeah, all people, adult, children, they would go there and sit and learn the law because it was read to them. It was also a social center for discussion of issues with the community. So it wasn't only used for purposes of um, religious activity, but also if there was uh, any issue to discuss as a community, problems that the community is facing, they would sometimes use the synagogue. Funerals, any legal transactions that had to be done, they would use... Um, the synagogues, and uh, they were all over, spread throughout the Mediterranean world. And uh, you had things that they kept there in the synagogues, yeah? You have a reading platform, yeah, which is set there. You go, stand, and start to read to the people. The sacred books also were kept in the synagogues, yeah? Uh, those which they held dear as uh, a community of Israel. They were kept in the synagogues. Of course, there are seats that are in the place in the synagogue where people come and sit. You have lamps, you have trumpets, and there are officers who are responsible for these services that happen in the synagogue. The New Testament refers to this synagogue numerous times and also the issues that we see would happen there, uh, like we've mentioned. You have prayer there. You have reading of scripture there. There are summons, like the case of Jesus that is being talked about here, that he would go and preach in the synagogues, giving summons in the synagogues. And um, you, you have the leaders, of course, that are inviting you. You don't just get up 
and enter and start to preach. So Jesus received invitation to preach. Yeah. And of course, for him to receive invitation would imply that there was some value attached to his teaching. There was some value attached to the work that he was doing. It had been done. Of course, he had gone through, uh, studied the scripture, been with the, the, the rabbis, and they knew that this is a person who knows about uh, scripture. So the rulers of the synagogue were responsible for the building. They were also responsible for the oversight of the public worship. They were also responsible for appointing of people who will come out and read the scriptures and pray and address the congregation yeah, and minister. So the ruler of the synagogue had to invite Jesus himself and say, come. And it wasn't just one. So he received numerous invitations to go out and preach. Jesus did not have a church. No, he did not have a synagogue of his own. Yeah, he was not the ruler of one, but rather he went place to place preaching. And uh, if God has called you to uh, spread the gospel, spread his gospel, it does not necessarily imply that you're going to go and open a church or a place of assembly, like a synagogue in this case. Jesus had a, a, a possibility that he could open one because he's invited to many. So it implied he was on market, if I may use that word. Yeah, but he does not open up one. Uh, ministry does not always imply that you go out and open a church or start a church. That is not what it implies. But Jesus here is called on and he goes out uh, to preach the gospel and tell the people of the kingdom of God. How they used to sit in the synagogues, of course, you had the men on one side, you had the women on the other side. These days that does not happen. There are some religions that do that, yeah. In the Christians, uh, that does not happen. Uh, you have the more prominent members of the community who would come and sit at the front, yeah. And um, you, you, you had whatever the, the layout was or how things are done there. The ruler of the synagogue had to do that. Of course, this form of worship of the synagogue is what the Christian Church adopted later on, and they started. Um, to run affairs just like you see. And it's unfortunate, but many of the things that we see to, in, in the Christian church today are some of the things that were also happening there. You have the preachers, you have the reading of the word, you have the benediction, you have uh, the selection of people, even those sitting in the prominent positions at the front, we still have that. Even when we read the scripture that it's not important who is going to sit at the front that you take, uh, you come and pick off somebody from the front seat because you want the prominent one to sit there. All that used to happen there in their synagogues. And the Christian church comes on and takes this on. Yeah. And uh, Jesus here, being a popular preacher, is invited to come and preach. Yeah. He is invited as a visiting preacher in numerous synagogues. And he goes out proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Remember what he was proclaiming, like we read last time. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This was a message that he was giving to the people, a hard message, a tough message, telling them to turn. He was continuing. These guys he's speaking to have already heard what John the Baptist has to say. John the Baptist has been taken into custody. And Jesus comes next, yeah, taking uh, the, the much of the talk of the town 
And he's also getting on with the same message of John the Baptist that he started. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's telling them, turn for the kingdom of God is here. And uh, we saw, and as we shall see in the future, that this is a message that brought him trouble in the synagogues. That at one point they even wanted uh, to throw him out and stone him to death. Yeah, But he goes out and he's preaching. And he's telling them of what to do. Yeah, He's telling them of the things that they are supposed to do. Repent. And that message goes out to us as well. To repent. So he preaches and, it adds, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The Bible here is clear about what Jesus' ministry was about. He would preach the gospel. He would teach in the synagogues. He would proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God, telling people to repent. And he also was healing all kind of disease. That is key here. Every kind of disease, whether small, whether big, Jesus healed it. Every kind of sickness among the people, Jesus healed it. And this gives us a point to know that Jesus is our healer. Now I know and understand with lots of doctrine that flies around and people saying we do not get sick. We who have been washed by the blood of God, of Jesus, we do not fall sick. Yeah, Actually, some people never even come out to speak that they are feeling sick. Even if in actual sense they do. They speak and say, for me, I am well. But what is the point of calling Jesus a healer when there is no disease to heal? What is the point of calling Jesus a healer when there is no sickness to heal? What is the point of singing songs that say Jesus is my healer when you do not accept the fact that you might be unwell? How does he heal people who are not sick? Jesus heals. And that's a fact. And disease is there in the world. It exists. But the beauty of all this is we know that we have a healer and his name is Jesus. Now Jesus, while he's preaching, something unusual is happening in the synagogues. And that also could imply or cause the reason that he's invited in many of them is because in these meetings that they used to gather, Jesus would heal the sick. He would tell them the kingdom of God is at hand and he would heal the sick. And verse 24 tells us the news about him spread. People who had attended those services would go out and say there was a blind man who was healed by Jesus. There was a blind man who was healed. There was a deaf who was healed. And all sorts of diseases and sicknesses were being healed. So news spread about him. Of course, for something that they have not uh, witnessed much, news has to spread. And news spread throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. He did not send them away. There are cases where you see it's a service that has been called a healing service. And people are coming to the front to be prayed for to be healed. And then they are being told, no, you go back. 
we will not pray for you today. Today we want to pray for those who are blind only. No, the epileptics came and Jesus healed them. The demoniacs came and Jesus healed them. The paralytics, everyone who had pain in their body, Jesus would touch them and heal them. Jesus does not spare and say, I will heal only the, the blind today. He heals everybody that comes to him. And you're out there and probably you're sick. You have a disease that has been told to you by the doctors and they say you cannot be healed. The message I give to you today is Jesus can heal you. And a message goes out to everybody here listening today. What pain are you in? Jesus can heal you. Jesus does not segregate. Jesus heals everybody that comes to him. The people that came to Jesus at this time only believed and they were taken. And even those who brought them to Jesus to be healed, they only believed that ha, there is power there. There is a man who touches you and you're healed. There's a man, if you surrender your life to him, you'll be healed. And they came and healed them. He did not ask them, for how long have you been a Christian? He did not ask them, uh, what is your status? He just healed them. As long as they believed, Jesus touched them and they were healed. Jesus will heal you. He did not ask them, what did you do last night? What is your track record? How many people have you wronged? Jesus can heal you. Just believe in him. He will not spare. He will heal each and every one of us. And uh, these people, of course, they knew or had seen within their days or during their time uh, wonder workers or some were exorcists. Others were Gentile magicians who would come and draw great crowds and do all that sort of activity to, to show that they are well. But right now, what they're witnessing is special. This man that we're witnessing was not doing gimmicks in the healing process. He would speak his word, and you would be healed. He would send his word, and you would be healed. And that is the one they were running to. And that is the one we run to also today. God heals disease. God sets free from disease. Jesus can touch you and heal you from that cancer. Jesus can touch you and heal you from that ache. Whatever it is, it may be in your, in, your, in your back, it may be in your bones, whichever part, it may be your head, whatever it is. I want you to believe today that Jesus heals because scripture tells us that he healed them all. He did not spare, he did not heal a few. He healed them all. Jesus will heal your disease. And as believers, we've got to be wise. We've got to understand. There's some people who say that it's not important for you to take medicine. Some people and some doctrines will tell people to stop using uh, medicine, that it is, it, it's not uh, scripture, that Jesus will heal you. You don't have to take medicine. Yes, Jesus can heal you without medicine. But also we need to know that he can heal through other people through doctors, through physicians. He can also use that channel to heal. We saw an example of uh, Hezekiah while we were reading the Old Testament. And Hezekiah is sick. He is ill. And he's told that you are going to die. He had a boil. And he's told that he's going to die. And he turns to the wall and prays. And God sends a message through Isaiah the prophet and tells him, go and tell him 
they should get uh, figs, yeah, and they would put that on his boil, and he was healed. So, God can heal you in all ways. He can heal by his word, just a word, or he can use mediums. He can use herbs because this was a herb that was being applied to a boil and he was healed. So God can use medicine to heal as well. A story is told, a testimony is told of uh, somebody who was very sick and he was in the hospital for a long period of time and everybody was losing hope. The family had lost hope. The doctors had lost hope. They were just propped practically monitoring the situation and probably till the time that this person would uh, die. And he says, this person, that in the hospital, while there, a certain doctor came in, dressed like a doctor, and looked at him, checked him out, looked at what he was being given as prescription, and then wrote down on a a piece of paper uh, some prescription that should be bought for this uh, person and he wrote down on the paper and gave it to the attendant and said you go down to the pharmacy buy this prescription and give it to him so they go, this guy goes down to the pharmacy he gives in the paper that has been written on they pick the paper give him the prescription he comes and gives it to this uh, sick guy and after taking this prescription he started to recover, started to get well. And the doctors came in and said, what has happened? How, how are you getting better? This guy says, there's a doctor who came in here, gave me this prescription, and I've been taking it, and I've gotten better. And they look at the paper. They could not tell who that doctor was because they did not have any doctor of the description that they were being given in that hospital. Like, which doctor is that? We do not have that doctor here. And even when they went to the pharmacy with that uh, prescription that this guy was using, they were like, we do not have that medicine in this pharmacy. But then it had been provided. And nobody knew about it. Nobody had an idea about it. And they did not see it again. And this person was totally healed. There are things that we need to understand as Christians and be wise. God can heal in all ways. How did this man get healed? By prescription written to him by a supernatural being that walked into that hospital that time and made a decision to follow. If he was going to say that I do not take medicine, for me, I've I've had enough. The prescription is what helped him get better. Jesus can heal. And there are lots of ways that God is going to heal and going to set you free. Some of us are broken inside. And God is going to use people to come out and speak to you and bring you back and and bring healing to your heart that has been uh, broken by experiences, by life. And God is willing to help you get well. Jesus heals. He will heal all disease. He will heal all sickness. But he also heals the heart. He can heal emotions. What have they talked about you? What have they said you can be and what you cannot be? Jesus comes out and tells you, I can make you well. I can heal you. I can heal your mind. I can heal you from the past experiences. I can heal you from that which 
seemed to destroy you because this is what he did. He healed them from all things. That is the God we serve. He's a healer. And today I believe for your healing. In whatever thing you are going through, in whatever circumstance you're going through, in whatever sickness, disease, hopelessness, your heart is is in pain, your emotions have been hurt, I believe for healing upon your life. And that is what Jesus does. He will touch you and you shall be well. Trust in him today to heal you. Pray to him. Father in heaven, we pray for the sick today. We pray for somebody who has a disease of any sort. Jesus, heal them. Touch them and make them well. Because that's what you do. You heal all disease. You heal all sickness. You deliver from all demons. You set free. Heal somebody today. Heal somebody's emotions. Somebody who's been broken down. Heal them. Touch them, Lord. Somebody who's in pain, touch them and heal them because you're the healer. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Because of what they saw, Because of the man they were witnessing, they started to follow him. Jesus, while he moved, apart from the disciples he had, they followed him in great number. Of course, the Decapolis here sometimes is referred to as the Ten Cities. It was a Gentile area that also had Jews that were living uh, there. It was a place mostly that was Gentile, but it had Jews living there. And this uh, federation of over 10 or about 10 Greco-Roman states or cities uh, was on the east and the south of the Sea of Galilee. And it is referred to as the Decapolis. It was established, of course, by Pompey the Great in, 16, uh, in 64 uh, BC. And we read about that when we're looking into the history of Israel. Uh, this is a place that Pompey the Great establishes during his invasion when he was invading Syria and Judea. And it was also a place with the great trade and defense that was happening. The Decapolis cities that made Decapolis uh, included Betshin, it included Hippos, Gadara, Pela, Philadelphia, Gerasa, Don, Kanatha, Damascus, Rafana, and uh, all these were part of what made the Decapolis. The Decapolis uh, cities, like we mentioned, were not mostly populated by Jews, but it had other people, all who you would regard as Gentiles, all the Greeks, yeah? And these began settling in this region uh, earlier on during the times of Pompey the Great when they were established. And uh, many of the people there had that Hellenistic culture that also came on from the time of the Greeks because in that period, they started also to flock in, and practices of Hellenism were part of them. Uh, they had a lot of conflict with the Jews because uh, the Greeks were offended by the practice of the Jews of circumcision. Did you not like that? But also, the Jews were being offended by the culture of Greeks, which included 
homosexuality and uh, all that ad- idolatry that the Ju- the Greeks were performing they were also eating uh, swine of course which the Jews did not uh, like there were e- people who loved pork and the Jews did not even want that so there was a lot of conflict between these two groups that were living in that area because of the different culture that they had and we are to- told that these people of the Decapolis followed Jesus the Gentiles started to follow Jesus. He did not come just for the Jew, but even the Gentile. Who's the Gentile? It's you and I. He's considered us. And while he was healing, he was not healing just the Jews. He healed the Gentile. So in whatever state you feel you're in, God still considers you. And through his ministry, there are examples of people that Jesus healed that were most probably coming from the Decapolis, the healing of the deaf, the, the deaf man, where he used his own saliva, that was in the Decapolis. You had uh, very many, the healing of the gathering demoniac that was in the Decapolis and many more others. And Jesus touches them and heals them because Jesus heals everybody. He does not spare. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, all you need to do is believe him and he will touch you and he will make you well. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We pray for a complete healing for somebody today. Touch us and make us well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website bibleindepth.com.